I, I'm super excited about this uh, series, um, Swiping Right. I'm a, a little tentative, a little nervous, uh, a little more nervous than normal, um, given that my, the bishop is here. <laughs> You'll see why in a minute. And... Um, <laughs> And so um, one thing we're going to do um, throughout this series is roll out some ground rules. I've, I've kind of written some uh, ground rules, 10 ground rules that I think are based in Scripture that are helpful to, uh, to developing, I think, a foundation for the kind of love that lasts a lifetime, the love that most people on the dating scene are looking for. And for that matter, most people who are married are looking for that kind of love, to cultivate that kind of love in their marriage. And so um, there's two that I wanted to start with today, and by the end of this series, we will have built up the whole um, list. The first one is kind of a given, but it's got to be said, listen, being single is not the same as being incomplete. Single does not equal incomplete. And it's stupid that I even have to say that, but um, society sometimes makes single people feel that way, and so do churches, so do families, um, and friends sometimes make people feel that way. And singleness does not mean incompleteness. It also doesn't mean loneliness. Just like marriage doesn't mean completion necessarily. Marriage doesn't necessarily mean you'll never be lonely. Can I get an amen from the married people in the house? So listen, um, your, your marital status is not um, relevant to your worth as a person. That's the foundational quality, right? That's the foundational ground rule for the rest of it. The thing I want to talk about today is the second ground rule, um, which is that uh, character matters more than chemistry. Character is greater than chemistry. And the only reason I want to say it that way is because what I found as I talk to people is that oftentimes people search for chemistry and figure that character will follow chemistry. You search for the spark. You search for that something, you know, exciting, the butterflies feeling you have when they walk in the room or when they touch your hand or whatever. And sometimes that's deceiving. A lot of the time. That's most of the time, that's deceiving. But what I can say is that uh, oftentimes chemistry can follow character. If you search for character, certain quality traits and, and certain characteristics that you're looking for in your ideal mate on the dating scene, then um, oftentimes when you cultivate a relationship with that person, even if you didn't feel butterflies the first time you saw them, the more you know them, the more you feel that for them. So chemistry can often follow character. So. Um, those are the ground rules we're working with um, today. Uh, in order to prepare for this series, I, I read several books um, on dating and relationships and romance, really. Romance is the real theme I want to work with through this series. And I also read several online articles from reputable sites um, online, uh, like, uh, like uh, Marie Claire and... Uh, Elite Daily, that's a good one. And uh, GQ, you know, there's some really solid advice coming out of those sites um, for singles. Uh, and there's plenty of articles to read there about dating. I don't necessarily recommend it. The most important thing that I did to research this series was just to talk to single people. I talked to dozens, interviewed dozens of single Houstonians, most of whom called the story home. And um, what I learned, I, well, I learned a lot. I'll tell you this. I learned more than I ever imagined learning. I learned more than I ever wanted to learn. I learned things like I learned new phrases and new terms I didn't even know existed. So I, I learned this new expression. It's two letters, AF. 
like you put it at the end of everything, and it's like I'm hungry AF. I'm I'm you know I you know she's crazy AF or whatever. Like, and I I I think it means Almighty Father. It's, it's like I, I was really was really happy about all the spirituality that's out there in our discourse, you know, and not even in the church. Like I'm hungry, Almighty Father. Like give daily bread, you know, like all this stuff and. Felt really good about the church, you know. We're really making inroads in the community, and uh, this was the big takeaway. However, and some of you, if you don't know me, you're going to think by some of the things that I say today, you're going to think I'm a pessimist, that I'm a I'm a Eeyore down in the dumps kind of a guy, and that's not who I am. I'm an optimistic guy, but I've got to be honest about what I've experienced in my research here with dating, um, because the big takeaway uh, for me was that the dating scene today is a twisted and lawless place where almost everyone's frustrated. And no one knows the rules. It's a twisted, lawless place where almost everyone's frustrated and no one knows the rules. The best way I could think of to describe this phenomenon that's happening is imagine. Imagine uh, you love soccer. Imagine, I know it's hard for some of you. Imagine um, you love the game of soccer. Imagine that you grew up thinking about soccer, dreaming about soccer. You grew up watching your parents play soccer and your grandparents told you how they used to play soccer and you have thought your whole life how you hope to grow up to be a great footballista who scores the winning goal or the tying goal or whatever in the in the world cup and you've watched all kinds of matches on pitches on ESPN Deportes and you just can't wait to play soccer but you've never played an actual match of soccer you've practiced you've talked about it you never played an actual man. And then finally the day comes when it's time for you to play your first official soccer match. And you are pumped about it. And when you are on your way to the field, you imagine what that game or that match will be like. And this is how you imagine it will feel. Like a thing of beauty. Like a symphony on Grass, like lines clearly drawn all over the field. Like everyone will understand and respect the rules of the game. Like there will be teams and you'll have a goal. And you know what your purpose is to win. And you know how to win. You score more goals than the other team scores. And that's your goal. And their goal's back there. And you imagine having a team and playing like a team and being messy, like so amazing. This guy, you imagine scoring goals in soccer. And you imagine the crowd going crazy. You imagine people applauding you for your success on the soccer field. You imagine your teammates carrying you off the field on their shoulders. You imagine the stands just going crazy, a standing ovation. You imagine this thing of beauty, this work of art. And then the whistle blows. And your first soccer match starts. But instead of this, it looks a little more like this. And there's no lines anywhere on the field. No one prepared the field. There's no referees. There's no rules. Are there even teams? We're wearing the same shirts, but we're working against each other. And where's my goal? And where's yours? And why is that creepy old guy on the field? And why is he hitting my mom in the face with a ball, making her cry? All I can say to you is that the more I talked 
to single people on the dating scene, the more they felt like that. Like it's just chaos. Like there's no teamwork, no lines, no rules. There's always some old married guy who shouldn't even be playing the game. And your mom always ends up in tears. And this is the state of mind a lot of our single brothers and sisters are in. And that should break our hearts, guys. This is no joke. And some of you might be wondering why is a church spending six or more weeks on dating and romance. Let me tell you why. I mean, that's one. But listen, there's more single people here than married people. By far. For the first time ever in America, there are more single adults than married adults in America. But at the story, the majority is single people by far over married people. And so we have to consider the cries of their hearts um, as a, a huge priority here. The second reason is that if we don't talk about dating and the, the reality of the dating scene here, then where will people get their information? Elite Daily. And we can't let that happen. That is a nightmare. Elite Daily and HBO will be the primary sources of information about dating and relationships, and we can do better. And third, and most importantly, most people tend to think about dating as a sociological phenomenon or a biological one or uh, maybe, maybe just a psychological phenomenon. I believe that dating is best understood as a theological phenomenon. Dating is theological in nature because your desire for, for romance comes from a, a deeper place than just your biology, just your body. Your desire for romance and connection and to be with somebody who will be there no matter what, a covenant commitment like marriage, relationship, that comes from somewhere. That desire is real and it comes from your identity as a child of God. Created in the image of a God who is a hopeless romantic. You cannot read the Bible without seeing the romanticism of God. He is he is such a romantic that he chases after people that don't want him and that cheat and that ignore him and neglect his desires. And he chases after them relentlessly with passion, with, with, with commitment to them. And, and, and God is just this hopeless romantic in the Bible. So what this means for me is that you can't separate your romantic feelings from the rest of your life. We as a church can't separate the romantic desire that exists in this room from the rest of the stuff that we always talk about. So the state of your soul, the spirit, the heart, the mind, all of it should be interwoven with the state of your romantic life. We should not compartmentalize these things. And here's the challenge for people that are wanting biblical wisdom on things like dating and singleness and relationships. They just didn't have dating in Bible times. There was no tender for Abraham and whatever. Like there was, they were... They were not talking about it then. But if it's all interwoven anyway, then the stuff that they say in the Bible about your life with God should apply to your dating life. You shouldn't have to hunt for one verse that might make sense to somebody who's dating. It all makes sense to people who are dating. And one of the passages I want us to think about today is in um, 1 Corinthians. You can open your Bibles or your Bible apps or on the screens or your study guides. Um, and you can read along with me here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27 is not a passage that was written about dating. But because all of our life is incorporated into Christ, then our romantic life 
applies to this passage, and this passage applies to our romantic life. So this is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now listen, this is the, this is the heart of what I want to say to you. I believe God wants good things for his children. I believe God planted romantic desire in our hearts for a reason. And if you're a single person with romantic desires in your heart, I believe God wants to fulfill that desire in abundance with you and for you. And, and, and so some of these passages that don't seem to apply to that part of your life, I want us to see um, more broadly. And I want us to see how um, God wants us to be successful and fulfilled in these relational parts of our lives. Because even though God wants that for us, most of us, if we're honest, whether you're single or married, most of us feel like we're failing at romance most of the time. And married people just laugh about it. Single people cry about it. And so single people have more uh, pressure. Society puts more pressure on single people to be successful in romance than we have when we're married. And so single people often feel very lost. Single people feel lost on the dating scene. And that lostness affects their, uh, the rest of their lives. The question I wanted to answer is why do sing so many single people feel so frustrated and lost when dating? And the answer is very simple. It's because dating is hard and we're not good at it. And we're not good at it because it's very, very new to the human experience. Dating is, is in, in the scope of human existence, it's new to the scene. It's just a few generations old. We're like, we're like, with dating, we're like Bambi when he's trying to walk on the ice, right? Like, we're just making a mess of things because we don't know how we're supposed to be doing this yet. Just a couple generations ago, most of the marriages in the world were probably arranged by parents for you. Or they were arranged by your religious community for you. Or if your marriage wasn't arranged, then you just married somebody who lived in your block or in your building or Arkansas in your, in, never mind, in your. And so the, the point is that dating is hard. And 40 years ago, nobody ever thought, I'm going to spend my 20s just traveling and having fun and hanging out and Netflix and chilling and weighing my options. There was no Match.com or eHarmony or Tinder or Bumble or Coffee Meets Bagel or my personal favorite, ParanormalDate.com. This is true. And their tagline is, you are not alone. And This is, a, this is a real thing. I visited this site. I'm ashamed to admit, but it's a real thing. And guys, if you're interested, this is a picture of the girls currently available on paranormaldate.com. So <clears throat> what I'm saying here is that the struggle is real on the dating scene. It's not uh, so much a struggle for people that are looking for hookups. If you're looking for hookups, it's better than it's ever been. But if you're looking for something more than hookups, it's a real struggle right now for many, many 
people. Those who are looking for real relationships that lead to lasting marriage. And everybody blames online dating, and surely online dating has changed the game. But let me tell you where the real change has happened. It's not on your screen, it's in your head. Online dating has, has, has had an effect, but the real, the real transformation that's happened on the dating scene is in our minds. It's in our expectations. Now, online dating has, has I think, empowered us or emboldened us to broaden our horizons and expect more. But it's our expectations that have changed everything. So uh, not to keep talking about the past like it was the good old days because things were not perfect two or three generations ago. Don't hear me saying that. And I'm not like, you know, pining for the days of old here. I'm just, I'm just naming what's happening here. You know, uh, two or three generations ago, the basic expectation of marriage was that you find somebody who's good enough. Just good enough. She'll do. I'll spend the rest of my life with her. You know, she looks good enough or he comes from a good enough family or has a good enough education or a good enough job, a good enough future. And then you pick somebody who's good enough and then you make it work. And when it worked, it was a thing of beauty because you found romance along the way. Two imperfect, good enough kinds of people got together and made it work and found romance and fell in love along the way. Not everybody had that experience, I understand, but that's how things used to work. And what's happening now, for right or wrong, better or worse, no judgment, nobody's looking for a good enough spouse anymore. Everybody's looking for the best one. We have a problem, the curse of too many choices, because you find Mr. Good Enough and you're thinking, why do I commit to this guy if Mr. Great is out there? You know, the, the best one is out there. You find a girl who's good enough and she wants to be with me, but, but maybe there's somebody better out there. And I was really, really surprised by what a struggle this part of the scene is for many people. And don't, please don't hear me saying that you're just supposed to settle. That's always the response that I got from single people. You expect me to settle? You want me to settle, Pastor Eric? I'm just not settle. And I'm not saying you have to settle. Don't hear me say, don't hear me say you have to settle. All I'm saying is that every great marriage started with two people settling. But I'm not saying you have to settle. <laughs> don't hear me say, I don't want to hurt your self-esteem here. I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, I'm just naming the issue here. I, I'm not saying don't be picky. But I am saying this. If your goal if your end game, your win, is a committed relationship that leads to marriage, guys, looking for the 5'9 blonde who's sweet but sassy, has a good body but she doesn't know it, who's experienced but not too experienced, and has never been married and no kids, but she's got amazing maternal instincts. And you know this because she takes care of you like your mother used to. And <laughs> she doesn't exist. <laughs> I am so sorry. But ladies, ladies, let's talk. Because neither does the 6'3 guy with a full head of hair and the, the flat stomach and the perfect teeth who's a Christian but also makes the perfect margarita, and <laughs> who makes six figures, but you wouldn't know it because he gives most of it away to support no-kill animal shelters. <laughs> that is also not realistic, ladies. 
Now listen, I know that's a little bit of a hyperbole and I don't mean to demean those on the dating scene. Not everyone is looking for that level of perfection. But I, I have to tell you that as I talk to singles that I know personally about what they're really looking for on the dating scene, more often than not, what they're looking for didn't add up with who they are. It didn't line up. And this was the hardest part to say in this sermon, and I took it out about five times. And if it makes you mad, just know that I asked Giovanna for permission before I said this, and she said it's okay to say this. And I, I, think, I think sometimes love looks a little bit like brutal honesty, so let's get real for just a second, okay? You're free to hate me and leave if you need to, but listen. Guys, listen. Even if that girl I just described is out there, do you really think she's out there waiting for you? And if that dream guy is out there, ladies, the dream guy I just described, do you think he's lying awake at night dreaming of you? It's funnier about guys. It's not as funny about girls for some reason. All that to say is that one common recipe for heartache that I came across again and again in the dating world is having a very specific type without becoming the type your type is looking for. Having a very specific type without becoming the type your type is looking for. I'll give you an example. One guy who actually goes to the story. He's not here. I don't think. There, there, I'm just kidding. He's not. I'm not, I'm not going to out him. All right. He's actually not here. So a late, guy in his late 20s uh, said he, um, he wants to marry, and I quote, a good girl who loves Jesus. That sounds great. And so I asked if I could see his Tinder profile. And uh, reluctantly, because he didn't want to seem like a coward, he said I could. But I could not look in his inbox to see his messages. I thought that was suspicious. But <laughs> I took what I could get. And uh, let me tell you about his profile picture. So in his profile picture, he's shirtless with a hat on backwards. And he's holding a red Solo cup. And he's flexing his bicep. He said he wasn't, but he totally was. And... <laughs> I looked at the list of women that he'd swiped right for, and uh, I got to tell you, it was basically a cleavage parade. And uh, if you've never heard the word cleavage in a sermon before, that's why I was nervous about the bishop being here. And <laughs> so, anyway, I asked him. Uh, I asked him. I said, "Brother, like, how does your long-term goal?" Finding a good girl who loves Jesus align with these short-term choices you're making on Tinder. And he said, look, I'm, I'm still young. I'm just out there having fun. He said, of course, when I meet that girl, of course, I'll settle down. Of course, I'll get serious when I meet that girl. And that guy, in his thinking, is not alone. In his life, he's very alone. But in his thinking, he's not alone. And this mentality is very common among men and women, too. This idea that I'm just going to have a good time until I meet the one. And here's the problem with that. It's obvious. If you meet the one while you're just having fun, you won't be the one she's looking for. If you happen to meet the one while you're just having a good time, you won't be the one he's looking for. Because the good girl who loves Jesus is looking for a good guy who loves Jesus, who's growing in Jesus and faith. She's not out there hoping to find a shirtless, bicep flexing, cleavage haunting frat boy. 
And so I, I asked him on his profile where it says that he loves Jesus and wants a girl who loves Jesus. And he's like, I guess I forgot to put that part on there. And I said, I guess you did. And, 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 and we had a good laugh about it, right? But, but what, what, I, don't, I don't want you to hear me saying that it's not okay to have fun while you're single. It's okay to have fun on the dating scene and, and to unwind and, and have a good time. I'm just asking you to think about your long-term vision. To think about that ultimate dream date you hope to go on one day. Who is the person sitting across the table from you? And don't think physical stuff. Think qualities, characteristics. Think um, uh, integrity and, and personality traits. Who is the person that you can imagine spending the rest of your life with? Who's the person you can imagine bringing home to your parents and being excited about? And then ask yourself very seriously, very honestly this question. Would that person really be excited to bring you home to their parents. They'd be excited to spend the rest of their life with you, the person you are today. Not the person you aspire to be one day, the person you are today. Another way of asking that question in Paul's language is, am I running this race in such a way as to get the prize? Am I running this romantic race, this path that I'm on, in such a way as to get the prize? And if your answer is probably not, then listen, don't lose hope. This isn't a judgment thing. I'm just saying let's have a reset here. Let's start again. Let's recalibrate and start over and change some old habits and start some new ones because it's never too late to change the way that you're training for the race that you're running. It's never too late to treat your body differently, to treat your soul differently, to choose different things to look at, to choose different things to think about. So that you can prepare for the race that you want to run and the prize that, the prize that you want to claim. Here's the deal. In the Christian worldview, we believe that following Jesus incorporates every part of our lives. And so when you're married, you follow Jesus in that. You follow Jesus in your marriage. And Jesus, following Jesus is more important than the way you treat your wife. Because following Jesus well will lead you to be a better husband to your wife. If you're a parent, you follow Jesus as a parent. If you're single, you follow Jesus in that season of your life as well. You follow Jesus in your singleness. And all that means is, very simple analogy, when you wake up in the morning, everybody's going to reach for their phone. I get it. I'm not going to tell you don't reach for your phone for 45 minutes. Like, that's uh, unrealistic for most of us. But the question is, where, does your, where do you go on your phone? Are you going to that devotional app, to that Bible app? Are you going someplace meaningful? Are you going to see who liked your profile last night? And if she wrote you back or if he said, hey, back or whatever, like, who are you hanging your hopes on? Who are you trusting your life with? Where are you placing your inherent worth and value as a child of God? Now, listen, when you follow Jesus, your worth is with him. So when that guy you like and you thought he liked you back, he doesn't call. He doesn't write. That doesn't get you off the path you're on because Jesus is first in your life. And if that guy didn't want to be a part of it, that's okay. And you're fine. And you move on. And if that girl that you thought you liked, you thought she liked you back and you see her at the Kirby Ice House with some other guy, you're fine. You just say she's dishonest, almighty father. And you just keep following the path. Keep following Jesus because when you immerse yourself in Christ, you become more like him. 
And this is the end game, becoming more like Jesus. And there are all kinds of of tertiary benefits to becoming more like Jesus. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I want to talk for a second about what your life starts to look like when it looks more like Jesus. Galatians 5 uh, says that when Christ dwells in you, your life bears the fruit of love and joy and goodness, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the characteristics of a person living, dwelling in Christ. What's really, really interesting in light of our conversation today about this list that Paul lays out, the fruit of the Spirit, we call them, is, uh, is what happens when you compare this list to the list of things single men say they're looking for in a woman. Because the list of qualities single men say they look for in a woman looks strangely familiar to the list of spiritual fruit that your life bears when you live in Jesus. Loving and affectionate, someone who's understanding and empathetic, happy and friendly, loyal, family-oriented. All these things speak to the kind of fruit your life bears when you live for Jesus first. Same thing is true for quality single women. Look for in a man, sense of humor, quiet confidence, generosity, patience, goal-oriented and faithful. All those things, some of those things verbatim. Absolutely the kind of qualities that your life produces when you live in Jesus first. And this is the whole irony of following Jesus first. When you're on the dating scene, this is the craziest part. Everybody thinks that being a Christian on the dating scene is probably a buzzkill. You're probably going to turn some people off for being a Christian, for having that on your Tinder profile. I love Jesus. I'm looking for somebody who loves Jesus. You're probably not going to get as many likes. That might be true if you're trying to get likes from people looking for the hookup. But listen, if you're trying to get likes from people who may line up with your idea of a dream date, following Jesus makes you more attractive. Following Jesus makes you more romantic. Following Jesus makes you more loving, more empathetic. In marriage as well, following Jesus more closely will make you a more attractive spouse to your wife, to your husband. Guys, married guys, you don't believe me? Commit yourself to reading your Bible every day. Let your wife see you committed to Jesus. And then just, I'm I'm telling you, just fasten your seatbelt. Look out. You don't even know the kind of romance that is coming your way. Now, don't follow Jesus to get the romance. Don't don't get your motives right. You know what I'm saying? But don't, don't like, have Sports Illustrated tucked inside your Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, actually... You have to produce the fruit of Christ, and and that is what is more attractive. And the same is true in singleness. Following Jesus more closely will make you a more attractive, appealing date to the people you want to be dating. This is the big misnomer. People think, maybe some of y'all have heard, that Christianity makes you a more boring, more judgmental person. Little did you know that following Jesus makes you a sexy, sexy beast. Did you know that? (laughs) Sexy beast. Look at your neighbor and say, sexy beast. Some of y'all are sitting next to your parents. That's fun. (laughs) That's fun. Single people, I I really do hope, in spite of all the silliness and laughter, I, I I hope that today in this series marks a turning point for you. Because I know from talking to some of y'all what a struggle it is. And I hope that today can be something of a reset button where you learn to hope for different things. You learn to keep your eye on the prize, on the long-term vision and the goal of where your life is going and that this can be a new beginning for you. And as we begin this conversation, this is the beginning of a longer six-week kind of conversation. Listen, 
I want to ask you to consider two questions. First, very simply, who is your dream date? And I don't mean, don't point across the room. Like I, I'm asking you not for a name, for qualities, traits, characteristics that you dream about, that you look for and hope to find in a man or a woman. And the reason that question matters is because real romance doesn't start with perfection. It starts with realistic expectations. And beginning there is so important, naming those expectations. Second, ask yourself, am I that person's dream date? Am I my dream date's dream date? The reason this question matters is because real romance doesn't begin on a screen, but in your mind. It doesn't start at the club or at the bar or at Whole Foods on West Alabama, which apparently is where you pick up people these days, and according to all the sites. And it doesn't start at the gym or even at church. It, it starts in your room, in your thoughts, on your knees, in your priorities, making Jesus your first priority. The start of every day will make you more like him. He will make you more like himself. And over time, it might take time, but over time, through trial and error, two step forward, one step back, over time you'll become the person Jesus created you to be, which is most important. And a tertiary benefit of that is that you will become the person who will turn your dream date's world upside down. Over time, God will create in you a character, a spirit that you were created for in the first place. And that's God's desire for all of us, regardless of our marital status, is that we become the people and live the lives that we were created to become and to live. Putting Jesus at the center and first in every day is the first step toward that transformation. Why don't we go to God in prayer together? Lord, thank you because you never give up on us and never stop pursuing us. You always come after us even when we say no, even when we walk away rejecting you or, or ignoring you, God. You continue to pursue us because you are the original romantic. And God, we have some of that in us as well. And we desire some of those same things, commitment and covenant, uh, relationship, romance, God. And I pray especially for those who are single and or struggling on the scene, on the dating scene out there. Lord, I Pray that you would mend their broken hearts and that you would help those struggling most to see that today can be a reset. Today can be the beginning of a, of a, of a new start where their feelings about themselves or self-confidence, self-worth is not tied up with what some guy says or does or what some girl says or doesn't do. Like their worth is tied up only in their identity as daughters and sons of you, God created in your image for your purpose. Make us all more like you, Jesus. We open our hearts to you now. For those who are on the fence of faith, unsure about uh, religion and, and Christianity and all that stuff, God, I just pray that you cut through the mess of organized religion and church and everything and just get to the heart of the matter. Connection, relationship, authentic um, reality, God. And that someone here today would finally say, yes, I want my life to be about this, about Jesus before all else. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.